2,000 years ago, our Lord Jesus Christ taught us how we as Christians ought to live. Our Lord never sugarcoats or backs away from tough subjects. What Jesus says in Matthew 7, 13-14 is one of his most sobering statements. Perhaps fear-provoking is a better way to say it. Jesus warns us that only a few will enter eternal life. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. This passage is especially relevant today because our whole culture has now officially rejected God. We live in a post-Christian world, and it has had a shocking effect on the church. I got a really good text uh, last Sunday after my message, and I asked for permission to read it to you today. Uh, it's a bit long, but uh, it's, it's, it's quick. L listen to this. You made a comment in your message this morning that I wanted to respond to. When I first started to attend Cross Church, I have to admit, I was one of those people who cringed when you asked, are you truly converted? My thought was, who are we to question the condition of somebody's heart? But after going through everything I went through recently, I completely understand it now. Saying you are a Christian and living out a Christian life are two very different things. In turn, it's really challenged me to ask myself, in everything I'm doing, is it according to God's will? Are my actions pleasing to God? Am I the same person at work as I am at church? Now, when I hear you challenge people asking, are you truly converted? I smile and ask God to keep me walking with him in all things at all times. I am certainly far from perfect, but you, your reminder keeps me in check, and I want to thank you for that. Now, isn't that an excellent text? Uh, really thank God that, that it's becoming clear to so many people that I'm not standing here in judgment when I ask you the question, are you truly converted? Because here's the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ continually challenges us to think about who we are, where we're at, to ask ourselves the right questions, to determine whether or not we are in fact in the faith. And this is something that the Apostle Paul tells us, and I'll read that to you a little later. But understand this, it is critical that you and I think deeply about who we are and whether or not we are in fact in Christ or not. Now, did you ever wonder, uh, who will enter the kingdom of heaven? And have you asked, who is a real Christian and, and who is not? Have you asked yourself the question, Am I truly converted? Over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at the last verses of the Sermon on the Mount. We started the Sermon on the Mount in June, the end of June in 2020. And we have been consistently every week going through the Sermon on the Mount. We didn't take a break from it. And here we are now coming close to the end. Well, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus makes it very clear 
who his real disciples are and who are not. He points out the fact that some people think that they're converted, but in fact are not. I would say that these verses at the end of Matthew chapter 7 are, in fact, some of the most sobering, some of the most shocking, and some might say even the scariest of the verses in Scripture. Because this is not a joke. We're not playing around. Jesus is making it clear to us what it means to be truly converted. So I want to read to you from Matthew 7, and we're looking primarily at verses 13 and 14 today, but I want to look at uh, verses 13 to 23. So if you have your Bibles, take them and turn to Matthew chapter 7. We're looking uh, beginning at verse 13. Jesus says, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few ever find it. Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit, that is, by the way they act. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can produce bad fruit. Oh, can a good tree produce bad fruit? Absolutely not. A good tree can't produce bad fruit and a bad tree cannot produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and perform many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. Well, we're going to look at these passages, these verses more in depth in the weeks ahead. But we're going to focus this morning on verse 13 and 14. Jesus is talking about the narrow gate and the wide gate. So here's something that, that we need to do this morning. We need to think about ourselves. We need to think about where we're at, spiritually speaking. We need to understand whether or not we are where we need to be as Christians. So through this passage, verses 13 to 14, it's clear that, that all of us is on a journey. And... You know, we live in a, a day of unprecedented amusements and distractions. Uh, every Sunday uh, morning, I get a report from my iPhone telling me how much screen time I have done, and if, whether it's up or down. You probably get that too if you have an iPhone. And the, the thing that we recognize about the God of this world, his name is Satan. The Bible says he's the God, the prince of the air is that he wants us to not think. That's what amuse means. I'm not muse think, not think. Amusement, not thinking. He doesn't want us to think. 
This is one of the wonderful things about going to church on Sunday is that you are forced to think. You are forced to think about yourself. And I want you to do that today. I want you to think about where you're at. The, the world does not want to think. We want to do everything we can to block out the world with video games, with movies, with uh, social media, and the list goes on and on. You, you know what I'm talking about. Anything to not think deeply about, any, about anything. It's far easier to follow the crowd. It's far easier to, to believe and do what the crowd is doing. But that's not what a Christian does. And it's really important that you understand that. It's important that you stop to consider how, in fact, you are different from people who are in the world, different from people that don't know Christ. We're all on a journey. And the question is this, have you thought about it? Have you really thought about where you're at? The question is, where are you going? Are you heading, heading to heaven or not? The second question would be, are you on the right road? Jesus is telling us in this passage that there are two roads. And if you're, you're not on one, then you're on the other. There's no third option here. And I want you to see that. It's really important. You're either on the road that leads to heaven or you're on the road that leads to hell. As the NLT puts it, the highway to hell. Wow, this is a, it's a heavy message, isn't it? Do you know, there's a time uh, when people, even if they were not Christians, still would hold to Judeo-Christian values. And so for, for, for decades, let's say for maybe for centuries, really, it was fairly easy to be a Christian. The, the opposition a Christian might get is that maybe you were a little bit too Christian, a little bit maybe fanatical, a little bit over the top. But we're living in a day, and I, I didn't think I would see it in my time, but we're living in a day now where uh, it's, it's, it's far worse. The, the, the problem that the world has with us is, is not, that, not to what degree are we Christian, but that we are Christian at all. But I need to ask you, are you truly converted? Are you where you need to be? We are all on a journey and what God wants us to understand today is what journey are we on? What road are we on? Let's look at this passage, this verse here, uh, Matthew seven thirteen. Jesus says, so enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. You'll notice that I've highlighted a few words, the word wide, easy, destruction, and many. Let me just comment on these words that describe this particular journey, this road. It's a wide road. On this road, all are welcome. This is a road where you might hear people say things like this, all religions lead to God. It reminded me of that commercial that started in the 1970s, and I think it's resurfaced almost in every decade since, but it's a, it's a a picture of, of hippies, uh, people of all ages holding hands and, and they're singing that song. I'd like to teach the world to sing in perfect harmony. You, you know that song. I won't sing it for you. But it's a, it's a, a feeling of, of, of international brotherhood, a sense that we're all one, we all belong together. 
And when you look at that, something inside your heart is stirred. You like the sound of the song. You like the idea of everybody loving each other. You love the idea of everybody being one, singing together in perfect harmony. The problem with this is that that is not a biblical idea because the Bible is clear that, that the world is opposed to Christ. When I say the world, we're talking about the systems, the philosophies, the ideas, the teachings, the po- politics of this world is opposed to Jesus Christ. This is why we're told in a number of places that friendship with the world is enmity with God. Now, your struggle and my struggle is to figure out how do we fit into this world? How do we live in this world? And Jesus makes it clear in John 17 that we're to be in the world, but not of the world. So where everybody wants to hold hands and sing and talk about the fact that we are one, the fact of the matter is, if you are a Christian, you cannot be one with the world. You stand out. You're different. And it's for that reason that that we as Christians are persecuted because we won't play along with everybody else who's on this wide road. Now, what I'm saying to you almost sounds, uh, I'm hearing this through the ears of somebody who maybe is not a Christian, who's not converted. And I can tell you, it, it's like nails on a scratch board, on a, a nail scratching a blackboard. I, I can hear that. We, we do not believe what the world believes. We are not in step with the world. We are in step with the spirit. The kingdom of God is in opposition to the kingdoms of this world. This world tells us that love wins and that love overcomes and love is everything. The problem is, is that the definition of love as presented by the world is not the same definition of love as presented by the word of God. It's for this reason that Christ has called us to go and preach the good news, the gospel, to a world that is lost in error. So it's a wide road. And it's an easy road, Jesus says. There's no pressure on you. There's no demands when you're on that wide road. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, uh, he was... He was a, a, a pastor during, during the war times, and he was one of the few Christian pastors at that time who stood up against Hitler and against the Nazis. Every Sunday, Christians would gather together to worship God, and nothing was being said against the Nazis and against their cruel, cruel policies. There's these policies of death. Everybody was... Again, singing together in perfect harmony, but the problem was is that it was in opposition to the word of God. So Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he stands up and he says, no way, no way can I go along with you Nazis. And he begins to preach against the Nazi doctrines of the day. You may know that he was eventually thrown into prison and just days before the end of the war, he was executed. Before he died, he wrote a book called Discipleship, along with a number of other books. In this book on discipleship, he talks about something which he calls cheap grace, cheap grace. And here's what he says. Cheap grace is the grace we bestow on ourselves. It's not a, it's not a grace that comes from God, but it's one that we give to ourselves. 
Cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance. Baptism without church discipline. Communion without confession of our sin. Communion without confession of what we believe. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship. Grace without the cross. Grace without Jesus Christ living in incarnate. What kind of Christianity do you have? Have you taken the, the easy way, the wide road? Anything goes, you can believe what you want. You can do what you want. No one's gonna tell me what to do. Pastor's not gonna tell me what to do. The church can't tell me what to do. See, what's happened is that we have created a, a new kind of Christianity, which is in fact not a new Christianity at all. It's just an ancient religion where I do whatever I want. This is the religion of hell, the religion of Satan himself. You do whatever you want. That's what Adam and Eve did. They decided not to do God's will. They decided to do whatever they wanted to do. And for a piece of fruit, Adam and Eve sold the Garden of Eden. Think about that. That's the religion of this world. I'm gonna tell you, being a Christian, following Christ, is not easy. It's all about complete and full surrender to Jesus Christ and his will. And sometimes I'm gonna tell you frankly, it hurts, it hurts terribly. Jesus said, don't think I've come to bring peace, I've come to bring a sword. It means you'll be separated from people that you love. Not because you want to be separated, but because of your choice to follow Christ, you are separated from people who choose not to follow Christ. The question today is this, have you made up your mind that you are gonna follow Jesus? No turning back, no turning back. Well, Jesus tells us that this road ends or leads to destruction. This destruction, I want you to know, is not just an eternal destruction, but it's an immediate destruction. Those who have come to follow Christ understand that when we follow Christ, when we do things God's way, it actually builds us up. It means that we are a new creation. It means that we begin to experience the fruit of righteous living. But those of us who choose not to live as Christ called us to live, we begin to experience destruction in our life immediately. Our marriage falls apart, our families fall apart, we perhaps lose our job, our health suffers, and the list goes on. But if that were not enough, we're talking about a destruction that is eternal in nature. As the NLT puts it, it's a highway to hell. But we don't wanna talk about that. And I'll tell you that this wide road is, is an easy road. At least it's easy now, because you can believe whatever you want. You can embrace whatever you want. I want you to see one more thing. He, Jesus says the people who are on this right, ro- wide road are many. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the big clue. It's what everybody wants, what everybody likes. It's the direction everybody wants to go in. Everybody is in agreement with you. Everybody is is holding on to the latest ideas. 
The thing that comes to my mind is wokeness. If you don't know what wokeness is or what it is to be woke, look it up and see where that goes, where that takes you. I know some Christians who have actually have discontinued all their, uh, all their social media because of the attacks that they have experienced by people who are woke. You push your Christian ideas on people who are not Christian and you are gonna find the backlash, the backlash of the many. You've heard the term, there's safety in numbers. Well, that's kind of the idea, isn't there? There's safety in numbers. We're gonna do what the crowd does, I'm gonna do what the many do, and then, you know, I'll be safe, I'll be happy. I've gotta be one with the crowd. I don't wanna stick out, I don't wanna be different. I want you to know that throughout history, the mark of every believer is that they stand out. They're not like the crowd, they're not like the many. So let me ask you about yourself. Do you stand out as being different or are you just like everybody else? This is sobering, isn't it? Look at, look what it says here in Luke 6, 26. Jesus says, what sorrow awaits you who are praised by the crowds? For their ancestors also praised false prophets. What sorrow awaits you when everybody speaks well of you? Think about that for a moment. The crowd will embrace you or shame you depending on what road you're on. They will embrace you or they will cancel you. They will tell you that you are worthy to be loved by the masses or they'll tell you you deserve to be hated by the masses because you are either with them or against them. It's very important for us to understand that. Never, I think, in, in, in my lifetime has this, has this teaching been more relevant than it is right now today, the first Sunday of March in 2021. Where, where do you stand? Are you taking your stand for Christ or have you taken your stand with the world? Jesus says, what sorrow awaits you who are praised by the crowds? Paul understood this in Galatians 1.10. He said, am I now trying to win the favor of people or of God? If I'm trying to win the favor of people, then I'm not a servant of God. But as it is, I am a servant of God and I want to please him. I don't want the praises of people. I don't want the praises of the crowd. I don't seek the praises of anybody but God himself. This is what it means to be a Christian on the narrow road. So let's, let's be reminded of what Jesus said. Jesus said, choose the narrow road. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life and those who find it are few. Let me just look at the words narrow, hard, life, and few. The narrow road holds to the scriptures and the teachings of Christ. Some would have us change the teachings of Christ. I've heard people say that. People that I'm close to, I've heard say that. We need to catch up with the, with the times. We need to adjust and tweak our doctrines so that it's palatable to the people of the world. Can I remind you of something? 
The word of God stands in opposition to the systems, the philosophies, the ideas, and the teachings of this world. Nothing has changed throughout the centuries except those who'd say, we want to be relevant. We we want to win the favor, the praise of the crowd. I want you to see that Jesus never tries to win the praises of the crowd. And we must be careful never to be looking for the praises of the crowd ourselves. The mark of a true believer, a true Christian, is that you understand that you're on a narrow road. You will not adjust your beliefs. You will not try to explain away those hard passages in Scripture. We're living in a time when when human sexuality is up for discussion. But we have been Christians, understand that the word of God has spoken and we stand on that truth as proclaimed in the scripture. We do not turn to the left. We do not turn to the right. We will not adjust the scriptures to make it fit, to make people happy. Remember, The word of truth is what sets people free. If we change the truth, how can they ever be free? How can we ever be free? We don't begin with our experiences or what happens in this world or what the world says. We begin with what God says. What does the truth say to us? That is what determines what we think, what we believe, and how we live. Oh, God help us. God help us to be like Martin Luther. Martin Luther was a monk, Roman Catholic monk, who could never feel a sense of relief from his sin. He was terrified that he was on that wide road that heads to destruction. He thought for sure God hated him and that God was was gonna strike him down. During, a, during a, a, a lightning storm, he was terrified that God would finally come for him. We read stories of Martin Luther whipping himself mercilessly, turning his back into a bloody pulp, trying to find relief for his sin. And it was while reading through Romans that he came to understand that we are justified by faith in Christ alone. We're not justified by our good works. We're justified by faith in Christ alone. And as he began to read the scriptures, the, the truth of it began to penetrate his heart. He began to understand that the scriptures, sola scriptura, that the scriptures alone were the guide for life. And he, some of you know the story, he eventually would go on to nail to the doors of the church in Wittenberg what's called the 95 Thesis. And the 95 Thesis challenged the Roman Catholic Church to do things according to Scripture, to teach the Scripture. Well, they were not having any of that. And he was called to give an account for what he believed at the Diet of Worms. And here's what he says. He says, unless I'm convinced by the testimony of the scriptures or by clear reason, for I do not trust either in the Pope or in the councils alone, 
since it is well known that they have often erred and contradicted themselves. He says, I am bound by the scriptures. I have quoted, and my conscience is captive to the word of God. I cannot and will not recant anything, since it is neither safe nor right to go against conscience. Here I stand, I can do no other. May God help me. Amen. Well, talk about a narrow road. And Martin Luther had those next to him saying, well, can't you just adjust things? Can't you just, can't you just give in? Can't you, can't you just pretend to agree? Can't you just go along with, with these inquisitors? No. Because the road that leads to eternity, to life, is in fact narrow. He would say, I am justified by faith in Christ alone. I am made right with God. That's what justify means. I'm made right with God by putting my faith in Christ alone. I'm not justified by my works. Being good is not the thing that's gonna win me heaven. And in fact, folks, we've been reading through the Sermon on the Mount and the thing that we recognize over and over and over again that none of us can live and do everything that Jesus tells us to do in the Sermon on the Mount unless God helps us by his grace and by his spirit. No, the Sermon on the Mount shows us how weak we are, how sinful we are, how desperately we need the righteousness of Christ. It's a narrow road. It's a narrow gate. And it's a hard gate. How easy it would have been for Martin Luther to say, well, this is what I believe. Take it or leave it. I'll keep my mouth shut. I won't, I won't bother anymore. But you see, Martin Luther was not only bound to the Scripture and what the Scriptures teach, he's also bound by the great commission that Jesus gave, go into all the world and preach the gospel. He had no choice. He had to stand up and speak truth because Jesus told him to, as Jesus has told me to, as Jesus has told you to. You can't say, oh, well, my Christianity is a private matter. That's absolute nonsense. I don't know exactly who came up with that, but I can tell you it is a load of garbage. Your faith is not private. Your faith is to be proclaimed. It's the message of the good news of Jesus Christ. We call it the gospel. And so Martin Luther chooses a hard way. We will be persecuted. We will be treated badly for Christ's sake. In some places, people were burned at the stake for believing what Martin Luther believed. God spared somehow, spared Luther's life. He was not one of the men who was burned at the stake. He went on to, to, to teach and to develop what we call Reformed theology along with other great men of the faith at that time. But understand, Jesus did not tell you when you became a Christian, it was now going to be a bed of roses. That now you're on easy street. You're going to be rich. You're going to get whatever you want. You'll be happy all the time because you're a king's kid. It's utter nonsense. And I'm going to tell you, over the last 40 years, that's, that's been the, sort of the predominant North American message. God wants you to be rich. God wants you to have whatever you want because you are a child of the king. You are a king's kid. Do you remember back 
last, last July, in August, we were going through the Beatitudes, and Jesus says in Matthew 5, verses 10 to 12, he says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is saying, if you're going to be a Christian, you're going to be persecuted. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Yeah, that's a hard road. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Matthew 5, 10 to 12. That's when you became a Christian, this is what you signed up for a narrow gate, a way that is hard. But the good, the good news is that it leads to life. It leads to eternal life. When you surrendered your life to Christ, when you said, Lord Jesus, I know that you are the source of life, the source of truth. When you said, Lord Jesus, I want to serve you. I want to love you. I want you to, to come into my life. What you're saying is, Lord, I'm, I'm prepared. I'm prepared to embrace the life that is mine through Christ. Can I remind you of what Jesus said? John 3, 16, we all knew, we learned it in Sunday school. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have what? Eternal life. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you have the gift, the promise of eternal life. You put your faith in Christ and you follow him and you obey him, the good news, and I can promise you this, is that you are going to heaven. You say, Pastor Allen, you don't know the bad things that I've done. Remember what Martin Luther discovered. He's justified. He's made right with God, not by doing good works, but by putting his faith in Christ. This is where we receive life. When you decide, I'm going to follow Jesus through that narrow gate. I'm going to choose the way that is hard. Then you receive that life, that eternal life. But it's more than just eternal life. It's an abundant life of joy and peace right here, right now. I have people ask me all the time, especially during this time of COVID, there's all kinds of conspiracies there's all kinds of fears that have gripped people's hearts. And my response is, I've, I've got the joy of the Lord. I've got perfect peace. The world can do whatever it wants, but here's what I know. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, Jesus Christ is the king. He reigns supreme. I have nothing to fear, nothing to worry about. I'm not trying to please people. I'm trying to please Christ alone. This is the source of life. This is a source of joy. And then he says something that is so terribly shocking. He says, only a few find it. Let me ask you, are you one of the few? Are you one of the few that will find it? Again, if you put your faith in Jesus Christ alone and you seek only to please him, you're not looking for the for the accolades or the acceptance or the approval of the crowds, you're looking only for Christ's acceptance and approval, then I'm, I'm guessing that you are on the right road. 
I'm guessing that you understand the way to eternal life. The Apostle Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5. And it goes so well with what I read to you from that text that I received last Sunday. Paul says, examine yourselves. Examine yourself to see whether you're in the faith. Test yourselves. Or do you not realize this about yourself, that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you fail to meet the test. Test yourself. Is Jesus Christ at work in your life? Have you taken the narrow road? Have you taken the hard road, the road that leads to life? You need to examine yourself to see where you're at. David in his psalm, beautiful psalm, Psalm 1611 says, for you have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. I guess the question this morning is this. Are you more concerned about the pleasures of this world? Or have you got your eyes fixed on the pleasures at God's right hand? Do you know the thing that marks the believer is that we have entered eternal life. It's begun the minute that you became a Christian. Eternal life has begun for you. And our joy, our pleasure, our happiness comes from being in the presence of Almighty God. And so I ask again, are you following Christ? Are you on the narrow road or are you on the wide road? There's a little chorus that we sing here from time to time. It's simple. Learned it in Sunday school years ago. We still sing it. I have decided to follow Jesus. I've decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. The cross before me, the world behind me. The cross before me, the world behind me. The cross before me, the world behind me. No turning back. No turning back. If you have embraced the ideas, the philosophies of this world, then I'm warning you today that your heart is far from God because the philosophies of this world do not agree with the simple gospel message. And I'm warning you, you're getting a warning today to make sure that you are in the faith, to make sure that the world is behind you and that Jesus Christ, his cross is before you that you see Jesus and Jesus alone. Athanasius from the third century, or fourth century, pardon me, is a bishop of Alexandria. He was 27 years old when he began to defend the doctrine of Christ's divinity. The Arians wanted to say, wanted to suggest that Christ was not equal to God, and that he came from God, out of God. But Athanasius understood clearly from Scripture, although nobody else did, he understood that Jesus is God, without a doubt, without a question. And he said, 
I don't care who agrees with me. I don't care who believes what I believe. I know what the scripture says. And though everybody else disagrees with me, still I will hold to what I believe, that Jesus Christ is God. And it was said, Athanasius contra mundum. Athanasius against the whole world. Yes, that's what it comes down to. You and I, those of us who love Jesus, we're against what the world says. We've embraced the truth, the truth that sets us free. Well, folks, we're gonna take communion together right now. And before we do, let me just pray with you. And uh, we're gonna take a moment just to prepare our hearts to receive together. Father, thank you right now for your love for us. Thank you for the word of truth. Thank you, God, that Jesus came to this earth to die for our sins. Thank you, Father, that all who put their faith in Christ have their sins removed and are made ready for heaven. God, forgive us, we pray, for embracing too much of this world. Give us the grace, we pray, to reject the ideas, the philosophies, the teachings of this world. Give us grace, O God, to embrace the one who died for us, the one who has given us life. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, and we'll... uh, take communion in just a moment.